Let's talk about diffusion and osmosis. Diffusion is the tendency for molecules to spread out evenly into the available space. Think about it like how air freshener moves around to fill a room. When you spray the air freshener, the molecules will move randomly around the available space, bouncing off of each other and bouncing off of other objects present until they result in a state called equilibrium. That is when they are evenly spread out or when the concentration of molecules is the same at different points throughout the room or the available space. Osmosis is a special kind of diffusion. Osmosis refers to the diffusion of water across a selectively permeable membrane. That is a membrane that allows only certain things to move across it, like the plasma membrane of a cell. Just like with other types of diffusion, in osmosis, water moves from areas of high water concentration to areas of low water concentration. This is the same thing as saying that water moves from regions of lower solute concentration to regions of higher solute concentration. Remember that solutes are the particles that are dissolved in the water. Where there is low solute concentration, there is high water concentration. And conversely, where there is high solute concentration, there is low water concentration. Water will move down its concentration gradient, so from areas of high water concentration to areas of low water concentration. Again, this is the same thing as moving from regions of lower solute concentration to regions of higher solute concentration. Now, why are these concepts important for cells? Cells use diffusion and osmosis to take up certain nutrients and expel certain waste products from the cell. Let's look at an example of how the concepts of diffusion are used when ions diffuse in and out of a cell. Hi everyone, this is a demonstration of diffusion. Take a look at the screen. What do you see? Well, we have a yellow membrane, and on one side of the membrane, we'll call it outside the cell, we have a high concentration of these green little circles, which are some type of ion. Inside the cell, we have a high concentration of these blue little squares, which are a different kind of ion. If we put some channels in the membrane, for example, channels that allow the green ions to pass, we see that that happens. Now, this channel is specific for the green ions. Note how the green ions can get through, but the blue ones can't. And if we wait long enough, we will see that these green ions are traveling down their concentration gradient or with their concentration gradient and we'll see that inside the cell and outside the cell eventually will have the same amount of green ions. This is called dynamic equilibrium. If we add a gated channel, you see that this channel is closed. 
It's specific for green ions, but none are passing through. Gated channels wait for a specific stimulus. Often it is an electrical stimulus before they open. But once open, they would allow the green ions through as well. Now, if we put in channels for, that are specific for the blue ions, what do we see? That's right, they are also traveling down their gradient, in this case, out of the cell. There could also be gated channels for them that, if opened, allow only the blue ions through. Now take a look at these graphs over here. These are showing you the relative amounts of the ions inside the cell and outside the cell. If you noticed when we started, we had a lot of green outside the cell and a lot of blue inside the cell. But now we've reached this equilibrium where there are approximately the same number of green in and out of the cell, approximately the same number of blue in and out of the cell, and that is because of the process of diffusion. Now let's talk a little bit about something called surface area to volume ratio. In these two pictures here, we have a cube where a side measures at one micrometer and a sphere where the diameter measures at one micrometer. If we calculate the surface area of these two objects and the volume of these two objects and obtain their surface area to volume ratios, we see that they are both 6 to 1. If we look at larger objects, for example a cube and a sphere where the side and diameter is 2 micrometers, the surface area to volume ratio changes, being now 3 to 1. If we increase the size of these objects again, the surface area to volume ratio is once again affected and becomes 2 to 1. So what do we mean by surface area to volume ratio? Specifically, it is the amount of surface area per unit of volume. So this begs the question, if these objects represent cells, which cells are going to be most efficient at bringing nutrients in and sending wastes out. Remember that the nutrients are needed for various processes within the volume of the cell. The wastes are produced within the volume of the cell, but both the nutrients and the wastes must cross the surface. And so the amount of surface area is important here. And specifically, the cells which will be most efficient at bringing nutrients in and sending wastes out are going to be the cells with the most surface area per unit of volume. That would be the cells with the highest surface area to volume ratios. So the principle of the surface area to volume ratio actually controls how big cells can get. The cells that make up our body tend to be limited in size because if they get too big, there's not enough surface area to adequately bring in nutrients and expel waste products of cells that size. So this keeps cells on the smaller size overall.